The following content is rated explicit for language in adult situations. So listen with headphones. Or don't. We don't judge. Have you ever wished that your world had more magic? Or that your favorite character had survived? How about a full-length spinoff of your favorite childhood series? Then do we have a podcast for you? Hello, everyone. I'm Claire. And I'm Kat. And this is Fire Whiskey and Honey, the podcast about your favorite novel-length Potter fan fiction. The Dead of Time. Each episode, we read a chapter of this story. Which I try to remember from week to week. Try being the operative word. Without further ado, here's our recap of last week's chapter of The Dead of Time. Alright, Kat. Do you know what today is? It is the first episode of season four! Uh, yeah. You get a podcast! You get a podcast! Woo! <laughs> you get a new episode, and you get a new episode, and oh, I am so excited. Also, have you seen how many people have commented on our Facebook group to let us know that they have found our podcast and are binging it? Yes. It, it makes my whole day. <laughs> I know it is fantastic, and our followers are going up. Unlike Voldemort, his are going down, but ours are going up. <laughs> I had no, to. And I love that somebody, and they were like, "I was listening. I know this is late, but I was listening to the episode where you guys are trying to figure out the name of the kid from Up, and my husband's just staring at me because I keep saying over and over, it's Russell. His name is Russell, and I'm like." <laughs> I'm Russell, because I just think of the fucking, God, what's his name? The comedian. Russell There Brand. it is. Ugh. Yes, and I feel so bad that I forgot that kid's name, because Up is one of my favorite Disney movies, and I'm just like, how do I not remember this kid's name? But then I was like, wait a second, the first like 10, 15 minutes of that movie, you're crying, so you're not paying attention to anything else, because you're like dying inside. Can we talk about the opening of that? Hi, this has nothing to do with Harry Potter. So I had never seen Up, and I was with the first guy I had kind of like flirted, dated in high school, or in uh, college after I broke up with my high school sweetheart. And I met this, like, he and I were in class together, and we started hanging out right at the end of class. And literally, I hung out with this guy at his house, and then the next day he was like, uh, I have to go to a Christmas thing with my mom. You want to come? And I was like, sure, which was, you know, super awkward. So anyway, they were like, oh, Up just came out. Let's watch Up. And I'm like, oh, I've never actually seen Up. And so I'm sitting in a room with this guy who I kind sort of know who also I never talked to again after that semester his mother his stepdad and like maybe 15 members of his extended family and we're sitting there and we start watching this movie and it's got like that really upbeat music and it's so cute and they're so happy and then I realize she's in an infertility clinic and she's being told that she's never gonna have a baby and like I'm pretty sure that's why we never went past that like long weekend together because I was like sobbing uncontrollably in front of his family. <laughs> yeah, I remember when I made Boo Thing watch it for the first time, starts sobbing and looks at me and's like, What did you just make me watch? And I'm like, But it gets better. <laughs> but like not a single word is said and Pixar's just like I know. You know what we're gonna do? Knife heart. <laughs> They're like, we're gonna have Michael Giacchino write like some of the greatest music we've ever written for a Pixar film, and then without saying a single word, we're gonna rip the hearts out of every American who watches this within the first ten minutes of the movie and go. And it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> Ugh. yeah god okay so hi that is but it's way better than when we saw get out because after that he looks at me he's like i can't talk to you right now and i'm just like shut up i am not gonna do that i am not gonna send you to the sunken <laughs> place <laughs> and by the way people it, it it's relevant to that movie because i am pasty white and he is not <laughs> So if you've seen Get Out, you know why he couldn't talk to me for, like, a little bit. 
Plot twist. Plot twist. Also, one last other thing before we get into season four. Um, number one, happy almost Halloween. Ooh, spooky. Uh, I am enjoying Witch's Brew and Apple pie with bourbon glaze and stormy nights and i know technically we're not getting paid for advertising right now but like the fall lineup from star cross centuries is so good guys yeah it it really is because like i didn't know how to phrase it because i didn't want it to come out the wrong way but as somebody who doesn't have seasons where they live that autumn bonfire with the wood wick gives me life like dude like i i am enjoying that wood wick and that autumn bonfire because i don't got seasons where i live but right now i got the pumpkin spice burning also minor husband brag um i've been kind of sick for like the last two weeks which you know perfect timing because we were on a break we were on a break anyway (laughs) Yeah, I love that post too. She's like, cue the Ross line. (laughs) I saw it on the Facebook group and I died. But um, I've been having a rough couple of weeks. I haven't been feeling well. Um, And my husband has been like an absolute rock. But he came home today from going and buying a hay bale for a friend of ours so that she can do photos with her kids because she didn't want to put a hay bale in her car because it's a pain in the ass to clean. So, like, number one, he's just a great human being. But number two, um, he was like, I got you presents. And I was like, presents? He was like, presents. So he kind of, like, glances at the front door. So I walk out the front door, and he got me pumpkins. And not, like, two pumpkins. He got me four. So we got big ones on the top stair and then, like, smaller ones on the next stair. And then he was like, I also got purple lights for the garage. Because I was upset because I was like, we don't have a lot. Like, we've got some orange lights on the front porch, but that's kind of it. And I felt bad that we weren't more, like, seasonal. And I kind of restrained myself because we're trying to save money. But like he got me pumpkins and then he got me the little carving kits. And I just, I have a great husband. Also, his jackass kept forgetting that he bought candy. And he kept thinking that the small bags were really small. So he bought like 10 of them. So we have just shy of a thousand pieces of candy. It is literally overflowing out of the super baller uh, copper cauldron, a literal oh cauldron God. that my grandmother had that I now have. Uh, anyway, oh that's enough. The dead, dead of time. time. <laughs> Season four, chapter 51. Also, one last thing before we dive into this. I know, guys, this is a really long cold intro, but like we've missed you. And also we haven't recorded in like a week. Um... Number one, if you're a Patreon, we really hope you enjoyed the Q&A with Shia and Hannah Beth. We had an absolute blast recording it. Number two, we will be, in the very near future, or probably by the time this airs, we will have released some new designs for our Tee Public uh, store, which is very exciting. Also, you may notice that one of our designs is missing, which would be our Muggle Please. And the reason for that is because Warner Brothers found it and pulled it down. So, that being said, we are going to play with that design a little bit, retool it, um, and also make sure we don't fucking tag anything Harry Potter in it the next time we post it. Because death of the author. Muggle is not, Muggle might be copyrighted, but if it is, I don't, I can't legally say that. I don't legally know if Muggle is copyrighted, so I'm going to relist it. Yeah, but you know what makes me mad, though? Yeah, but you know what makes me really mad, though? Like, okay, here's what makes me mad. So, there's a certain other podcast out there who has merchandise who may or may not use the phrase Ludo Bagman, wizard on, in their merchandise, which are both in the books. So how come nobody is 
bitching at them, but we get in trouble for Muggle Please, which, by the way, is not in the book, and it's just Muggle. So you know what? If you're going to go after me, you got to go after Ludo Bagman, man, The thing too. is, I think Muggle may be popular enough to be copyrighted, but I don't actually know that, and I haven't had a chance to look it up yet, so I will continue in my lack of knowledge. But, um... Moving forward, we will try to adjust so that we do not violate copyrights because that is important and we don't own it. But we do have some more exciting merchandise coming out that is exclusively Dead of Time things, which technically Muckle pleases too, but get wrecked. Anyway, so we'll be releasing new designs. We're very excited about that. And we also have a design that we have been holding on to for months now that will finally make sense when we read this season's chapters. But, without further ado, what had happened was... What had happened was... Wait, 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 wait. It's okay. A new, it's a new season. Previously on The Dead of Time. Oh, I thought you were going to say previously. I'm that would make more fun, sense. Okay. Previously on <laughs> Fire Whiskey and Honey. Okay, so Peter... Petty grew because he petty. Get it? Because he petty grew. Oh, so he told Dumbledore about Greyback and Higgs because he is. Well, a he snitch. was supposed to. Ha ha. Yeah, I know, but he also a snitch. Ha. Snitch. <laughs> He's a snitch. Oh Jesus. Yeah, or the other kind. So that the three others, they are now an official full pack. So they go in through the forest. They go in through the forest. They go in through the forest. And then they find Aurors. Is that how you say Yeah, close enough. Yeah, okay. So they run into them, but then they're like, no, invisibility cloak. So they get under that, but then they leave Remus behind to deal with that because, you know, he can deal with that kind of stuff. So Higgs got arrested. Boom. And everybody had to take their owl exam. So that kind of sucked, but whatever. Gotta do what you gotta do. So once again, Snape is getting bullied. Hi, oh, Jesus. And Lily is trying to stop them, but nobody is having it. And then Stape did the ultimate thing and called Lily a mudblood, and Jamie's like, you take it back, trying to be big bad boy, but that didn't really work out. And I don't remember exactly what happened at the Black Lake, but apparently something happened, and Frank Longbottom is the only Gryffindor that anybody's talking to. So... Um, Maya went to the room of requirement because she felt the need to break stuff. So that was the original, um, what you call it, rage room. <laughs> so, yes. So she's just in there, like, destroying crap. And then she was having, like, a self-reflection moment. It was kind of like putting some self-blame on herself about some decisions that she had made based because she knows the future and all of that stuff. So she's feeling kind of down about that. And let's see what else happened. Okay, so then towards the end of the chapter, the her and Jamie's parents left them by themselves. And then all of a sudden, she just minding her own business and this blue light pops out of nowhere. And she's like, oh, Jesus, that's an emergency port key. What the crap is going on? And then all of a sudden, she smells blood and serious. And that was the cliffhanger that we left you on. I'm so proud. That was so good. Uh, I gotta stop saying <laughs> Jesus so much. It's alright. <laughs> we all need a little Jesus. But uh, the Frank bot, uh, Frank bottom, long bottom thing. <laughs> uh, the Frank booty. So the reason Frank is the only one they're talking to is because James and Sirius were the one who were picking on Snape because. The Caros had called Maya a whore, and Snape laughed and didn't stick up for her, so the boys are kind of really pissed off. So they were giving Snape a really hard time. Remus didn't do anything about it because he's still, like, super cautious around Snape after he almost killed him when Sirius let him under the fucking uh, tree. And then Peter, obviously, is sort of a, you know, crony. And so... 
Frank Longbottom was the only one who wasn't involved in bullying Snape, which is why um, they are only talking to Frank, because the other boys are kind of buttholes right now. But anyway, so the very end, I'm actually going to start with the end of chapter 50. Um, so Daria and Charles have just left, um, and Maya's assuming they're at a Order of the Phoenix meeting. Several hours later, Maya stood slowly from her chair in the circular drawing room, book in hand. She had tried to stay awake, waiting for her parents to see if she could somehow weasel a little information out of them about their quote-unquote dinner party. When she began falling asleep in the big armchair, she gave up and decided to head to bed as James had done an hour earlier. She put her book away on a nearby shelf and paced towards the stairs. She was not three steps up before the walls around her reflected a flash of bright blue light. Maya turned quickly, drawing her wand on instinct as she slowly made her way back to the drawing room, a stunning spell at the ready. The room was still dark as she had extinguished the lamp before going to bed, so she prepared herself for an attack before whispering, Lumos! No one attacked. Her focus was drawn to an unmoving shadow on the floor, and her animagus senses kicked in when she smelled blood. A lot of blood. Her heart stilled for a moment when she realized what the blue light had been. An emergency portkey. The emergency portkey keyed to Potter Manor that she had given to. Sirius! God, that really was a mean cliffhanger to leave people on. Yeah, it really was. Especially me, because I'm like, why is he there? Why is there blood? What the crap? Chapter 51. Persian Rugs. July 3rd, 1976. Maya's screams echoed off the walls of the manor. Jamie! Falling to her knees in front of Sirius's body, her skin ran cold as she saw the blood-soaked robes wrapped around him. Oh, girl, your face right now. Is he dead? Yes. fucking dead he has to survive to go to fucking azkaban relax his left arm <laughs> yeah, yeah that's right <laughs> i spent 12 years okay <sighs> falling to her knees in front of sirius's body her skin ran cold as she saw the blood-soaked robes wrapped around him his left arm was cradled tightly against his chest tucked beneath the fabric while his right hand gripped the silver chain around his neck so tightly he had lost all color in his fingers he did not move of his own accord, but as she leant down and put her hands on his face, he flinched and his muscles seized at the touch. She sobbed as she realized what had happened. He had been tortured with the Cruciatus curse. She made her touches a bit firmer, knowing from personal experience that soft caresses actually hurt more. The seizing that came in the aftermath sometimes hurt nearly as bad as the curse itself, but if the muscles were held tightly in place, it took the edge off. Maya choked back more tears as she tilted her head, tilted his head toward her, angling his face so that he could look her straight in the eye. Sirius, look at me, love. Open your eyes, please. Sirius, look at me. Hello, beautiful. He rasped, his gray eyes slowly opening to look up at her. Jamie! She screamed again. Tilly! The house elf appeared, large eyes widening. Young Master Black! Young miss, he is needing a healer right now. Yes, right now. James came running into the room, wand drawn, his gaze following immediately on Sirius. Padfoot, he yelled frantically and fell to the floor. What happened to him? He's going to get into St. Mungo's, Tilly insisted. Tilly will apparate him. I'm not leaving him, Maya said, shaking her head, ignoring the way that the movement caused the tears in the corners of her eyes to blur her vision. We'll take the flu. Jamie, grab the powder. Tilly, go find Mum and Dad and tell them what happened. James rushed to the fireplace to grab a fistful of flu powder just as Tilly vanished from sight. Maya, what did happen? Sirius groaned when Maya adjusted him in her arms. All right, there, all right, there, prongs. Maya wiped her eyes as James returned to Sirius's side. 
His eyes were filled with unshed tears, looking as though pure panic was the only thing keeping him from breaking down. What happened, Pads? he asked with quiet urgency. Sirius did not answer, his head lolling to the side and the color draining from his face. All right, we'll hear about it later. Let's get him to a healer. James nodded to Maya, kneeling down to help her adjust Sirius's weight before lifting him. Maya, Sirius whispered. She looked down at his face as she followed her brother to the fireplace, her lip quivering at the sight of the blood dripping onto the hearth. Forcing herself to focus, she cupped Sirius's face in her hands, wanting to kiss away every ounce of pain. If she could take it herself, she would have. Yes, love? Am I a better man yet? He whispered, desperately. At his words, she sobbed into his sweat-soaked hair, holding on to him tightly as James yelled, St. Mungo's, and took all three of them away at the same time in a blaze of green. How come they can't do that spell that Snape did in the bathroom when Draco's bleeding on the floor? Maya wasn't there for that. She doesn't know it. Oh, so it's not like in a book she read. Okay. No. And it's literally just a counter curse to the Sectum Sempra. Um, oh. Also... His issue, yes, he's leaking blood, but the assumption is he's probably leaked a lot more blood wherever he was before, so the blood isn't there to siphon back into his body. And also, you know, that would be a little weird if she knew that, so getting him to St. Mungo's and figuring out, especially because he's dealing with the after effects of the Cruciatus, that's like Mungo's level healer shit, not, you know, Hermione Granger level. Got it. Um. Where is he? On high alert with her adrenaline pumping and paranoia at the forefront of her thoughts, Maya let her animagus instincts take over. Even through the magical ward she had created in the hustle and bustle of the busy hospital, she could hear her mother's piercing voice echoed through the doors of the ground floor. The words echoed as though they were magically amplified through the corridors and up the lift. They probably reached the roof where a flock of pigeons took flight, terrified of the sound that reverberated off the walls, penetrating through the foundation. The walls around Sirius's room were large. Maya watched from the corner where she could see the double doors blown open and Daria burst through, using wandless magic and likely rage to move any obstacles out of her way. One such obstacle appeared to be a frightened girl trailing behind next to Charles. You can't just come up here. You need to be properly checked in. Charles winced at the girl's words just as Doria turned on the girl. I can and will come up here. And if you think a pesky little chit like you is going to stop me, then I dare you, little girl, to try my patience. The girl nearly burst into tears. Don't mess with Mama Wolf. Anyway, <laughs> Maya growled when she watched a familiar healer move past the window towards her parents. What's happening? James whispered from the corner. Quiet, she muttered and tilted her head to the side so that she could focus on eavesdropping. What is this commotion out here? Do I need to call the Aurors? The healer asked, reaching for his wand. Apologize for the disruption. Charles said, approaching the man. We're here to see our son. Our house elf told us that he was brought in after, Doria said, swallowing hard. She said he was tortured. You're Sirius Black's parents. Yes, Daria replied immediately. Where are my children? The healer held his hands out in supplication. When Doria looked like she was no longer on the verge of attacking, he sighed and ran a hand through his hair. I'm Gerald Wainscott. I run this floor. Come with me. He instructed and turned, leading Maya's parents into the next room and out of her sight. She moved to the other side of the room, pressing her hand against the wall and muttering a spell that pushed her ward out into the next room, or into the room next door. She focused her energy on hearing. I know you're not the boy's parents, but you say the other two teenagers are yours? Yes, Charles said, but Sirius is. I'm sorry, sir, we can't give you any information on Mr. Black. That being said, we do require your assistance. The healer cleared his throat. <clears> throat> 
your son and daughter brought Mr. Black in a half hour ago. The healers rushed him to a room to clean his wounds, but when your children were asked to leave, they refused and things got unpleasant. Maya huffed. That man had tried to separate her from Sirius's side. If he tried again, he would see how unpleasant she could get. Take us to them, Charles demanded. Maya heard footsteps in a door opening, and she moved back towards the window, feeling defensive magic glide over her skin like armor. She watched from the corner window as her parents likely saw the crew outside of the door. Last she counted, there were five healers, two aurors, and another wizard in long brown robes that Maya was certain was a curse-breaker. Winscott turned to Charles and Doria. When Maya's staff tried to physically remove your children from Mr. Black's room, they were attacked. Charles's eyes narrowed. Our children were attacked? Audibly seething, Wainscott shook his head. <clears throat> no, sir. Your children attacked my staff. Charles looked aghast. Doria looked proud. Then your daughter warded the room against everyone, saying that they would not be separated. We had to call in a curse breaker to try and get in. He gestured to the wizard in the long brown robes, who looked utterly frustrated. He made the mistake of making eye contact with Maya through the window. She bared her teeth at him. Daria moved swiftly to the window, pulling Maya's gaze away from the curse breaker. Somehow, her defensive magic receded, and Maya turned around, moving back to Sirius's bed where James sat. Ignoring the talking outside of the room, she went back to tending Sirius's wounds. She didn't want to see her mother's face. She knew what they all looked like, clothes and skin stained with Sirius's blood. Sirius himself was lying in the bed, his exposed chest clean but layered with dark purple bruises and deep cuts to which Maya meticulously reapplied Dittany to from a small bottle. Sirius seized up in pain, his muscles stiffening. James reached for his hand, burying his forehead in the side of the bed, unable to watch while Maya used her arm to wipe away tears from her eyes before continuing more to heal more cuts on Sirius's neck. We need to get into that room. Wayne Scott said to the Potters. My children won't leave, Doria insisted. Only family can. We are family, Charles asserted, his temper sounding like it was getting the better of him. That boy in there is our son. We'll get your healers into the bloody room, but in the meantime, send someone to a flu and contact Alfred Black. Before Wayne Scott replied, Charles added, Oh, and nothing happens to our children. They meant no harm. They're only frightened. Maya could only assume that the R's and healers nodded. She didn't look up from Sirius to confirm, not until her father quietly called out to her. Maya, love, take down the wards. Maya and James both looked up at the noise. James looked relieved at the sight of their parents, but Maya was still on edge as though she were awaiting an attack. A part of her could not separate the smell of Sirius's blood and the memory of her own back at Malfoy Manor under Bellatrix's blade. She gripped her wand tightly in her hand as she carefully tried to read the expressions on her parents' faces. Her father looked calm but stern, which was not helping ease the tension in her shoulders. Her mother placed a hand on the glass and made eye contact, offering Maya a kind smile that broke her. She acquiesced and lowered the wards with a wave of her wand, the door unlocking and cracking open. When the healers rushed in before her parents, James's stance changed completely, and she could feel his animagus spirit practically being pushed from his body like an astral projection. Hey, name of Starcross <laughs> Andrews. <laughs> you didn't even know it, Rin. You already named astral projections after one of the, uh, the things from Dead of Time. Congrats. Um, now to find out where I was. Uh, she could feel her eyes turn amber as she glared at the group. Both lifted their wands, and Maya put her body in front of Sirius. Maya, Charles said, pushing his way through the healers. They're only here to help. You've done wonderfully. He slowly reached for her, lowering her wand hand before pulling her into a tight hug. Daria did the same to James on the other side. Charles kissed the top of her head as she broke into tears. You did wonderfully, my girl. What happened? Doria finally asked, 
watching as the healers moved around Sirius's bed, a few muttering admiringly about Maya's healing, but one looked carefully at Sirius's left arm while another waved his wand over his body. Looking up at her mother through her tears, Maya whispered, They... they tried to force the dark mark on him. Okay, how you feeling? A lot of things going on. Yeah. That's a lot. Like, I, I I still don't know, like, what happened. Like, who's they? Like, who tried to force the dark mark on him and why? And how did he get away? I have so many questions. Well, lucky for you, they're uh, about to get answered. As all of you remember, sh -sh -sh means going back and forth into the past and future. That being said, sh -sh -sh They had been at it for hours, but Sirius would not break. He had known when his parents met him at King's Cross Station that there was something not right. His friends had known something was wrong as well, and he clung to the images of their faces as his weakened body hit the floor again and again. He looked down and watched as droplets of blood from the recent wound to the side of his head fell on the hardwood floors of his family home. Consciously, he pivoted his body so that his head hung over the 1,200-year-old Persian rug, grinning as he bled onto one of his mother's favored possessions, staining it with his blood. Pure blood, he snorted at the thought. Pure blood spilt in his own home. You informed me that he would be ready, O'Brien. A chilling utterance came from the corner of the room. Sirius had not seen the man speaking, nor had he seen the faces of anyone, save for his own family members. He had arrived home a week earlier and was immediately thrown and into and subsequently locked inside his room. It didn't bother him, of course, not until it became clear that food was being withheld from him. He called for the elves, though Creature was the only one to come to him, instructed to only give Sirius water. By the end of the week, cut off from food and the world, Sirius was starved and barely able to stand. They wanted him weak and broken. But Sirius would not break. Walburga came into the room, instructing him to bathe and dress in his finest robes. Unable to fight her when she insisted that she would have the elves do it for him if he would not, Sirius begrudgingly obeyed. When he was led downstairs to the drawing room, a circle of masked figures met him. His eyes widened, and he scowled at the sight of them. Death Eaters. Long, pale, blonde hair peeked out of the mask of one Death Eater, and Sirius knew it was Malfoy. He lunged forward, but his cousin Bellatrix was there, all too eager to fling Sirius to the ground where she set a curse on his flesh, slicing and cutting his skin, bleeding him out onto his robes to further weaken him. A sacrifice to her master. He is ready, my lord, Orion insisted, his head bowed. He is sixteen, just as you requested. I requested nothing. I required him to be at least sixteen, but he also needed to come willingly and offer sacrifice. I do not intend to imperious every last follower into understanding and obedience. Oh, fuck me. I don't remember my Bellatrix voice. All right. Sorry, guys. Yet another one. Perhaps a little persuasion is useful, my lord. Bellatrix cooed lovingly in the direction of the hooded figure. Sirius wanted to vomit, but there was nothing in his stomach to throw up. He turned his head to the side and watched as the hooded figure gave a short, quick nod, and Bellatrix turned her eyes alight with ecstasy and madness. Then the Cruciatus curse began. Pain unlike any he had ever known filled his body, flames licking at his nerve ends while knives simultaneously stabbed into his muscles, pinning him to the ground yet forcing him to thrash at the same time. He screamed as the pain racked through him. Still, Sirius would not break. Behind the screams that his body made involuntarily, Sirius clenched his eyes tightly and focused as hard as he could. James, Remus, Peter, Maya... 
flying above the pitch with the wind in his hair, winning the Quidditch Cup, ducking into secret passages to avoid Filch and his silly cat, pranking Slytherin, sneaking into Hogsmeade, fire whiskey and pumpkin pasties and chocolate frogs, Christmas at Potter Manor, nights in the Shrieking Shack with his pack, prongs, Mooney, Wormtail, Maya. Maya. Never! Sirius screamed as the Cruciatus curse ended, and he struggled to stand. In frustration, Bellatrix hit him hard on the side of the head, knocking him back on the floor where he found himself now, bleeding on his mother's favorite Persian rug. Does the boy love anything? The stranger asked. His family, perhaps. Will he join our cause should their lives be threatened? Sirius panted heavily, licking blood from his lip before spitting it onto the rug. Not even if you let me kill them myself. Kill the brother. No! Walburgus screamed and fell to her knees before the hooded figure. My lord, I beg you, kill this whelp instead. She gestured to Sirius's shaking, bleeding, sweating body, adding, My Regulus is as noble and as pure as you could ever require. Even at his young age, he would willingly seek your approval and bear your mark. Is that so? Walburga bowed her head. I will fetch him for you, my lord. No need. The man shook his head. Bring him to me when he turns sixteen. In the meantime, what will we do with this stubborn heir? Break him. At the sound of Lucius Malfoy's words, Sirius growled. He felt his body go stiff before he could do anything else. It was not a full-body-bind curse. He was still able to struggle. But Malfoy had his wand trained on him, forcibly extending Sirius's left arm. Willingly or not, he will be marked, and he can prove himself worthy of it later. Lucius hissed, walking forward and stepping on Sirius's hand to hold him in place. My lord, may I do the honor? The hooded figure seemed to ponder the request for a moment before nodding. Lucius turned and stared down, silver eyes so wide Sirius could almost see the grin behind them. Malfoy leant down and pressed the tip of his wand into the flesh of Sirius's arm. Sirius let out a howl as the skin began to burn. Knowing he had to do it to stop the dark magic from touching him, he turned violently, snapping the bones in his arms and breaking the contact with Lucius's wand in the process. The pain was cold and sharp, but it was bearable compared to the Cruciatus. Stubborn, stupid Gryffindor, Lucius hissed. I tire of this travesty, the stranger said, and he stood to leave the room. Do not call me again, Orion, well, Burger. Until you have a worthy child. He apparated with a booming crack. You rotten blood traitor! Bellatrix screamed, throwing another Cruciatus that made the cold pain in Sirius's broken arm feel like fire. Bella, enough! Walburga shouted. Leave him alone. We have to make plans. I'll deal with this stain on my house later. In response, Sirius defiantly spat more blood onto her ugly, expensive rug. The drawing room emptied slowly as the occupants left one by one. Sirius remained, bleeding on the Persian rug, watching as it slowly stained red. He couldn't help but smirk at the sight as he fell in and out of consciousness. Gryffindor red, he thought with a chuckle. Salazar, came a whisper from the dark corner. Sirius looked up to see Regulus cautiously approach. Are you even still alive? Sirius coughed in reply, the metallic taste of blood burning the back of his throat. It was getting harder and harder to breathe. Regulus's eyes widened. Why didn't you just do it? Sirius tried to smile, but his muscles seized and he grimaced through the pain. You know me, Reg. I've always been a trendsetter, not one to follow blindly. He fought for breath, but it took several tries to fill his lungs. <laughs> Besides, <laughs> you saw their robes. Fucking hideous. <clears throat> I wouldn't be caught dead wearing those ugly things. <clears throat> You're out of your mind. Nope, 
Sirius swallowed hard as relief came over him at the feel of cold silver against his chest. He had not had a moment to think about it until now, but when he remembered Maya's gift, he almost cried. I'm out of here, Reg. <clears throat> Come with me. Come with me. Get out of this place. Because you're next. Regulus shook his head. I'm not like you, Sirius. I'll go willingly. They won't hurt me. They will. One day, Sirius said regretfully, pulling his broken and burned left arm to his chest, hissing at the sharp, stinging pain. He looked at his brother one more time and sighed, gripping the silver chain around his neck. Portis! Alright, so now you know what happened. Yeah, but... I know what happened, but, like, why do they want him is the thing I don't get, or do I just not see that? He's the heir to the Black House, which means he should technically inherit the house, the money, the power, the seat, and the wisdom gamut. And as a high-ranking member of the of a pure-blood family, especially of the Sacred 28, he's considered a pretty big prize for the Death Eaters. So because even though he's a Gryffindor, even though he doesn't really align with what they want, he's still considered a catch. Now, you also have to remember that Voldemort doesn't want him. He said he wanted him willing, and he didn't want to force it on Sirius because Sirius clearly didn't want it because he doesn't want to have to force his followers. He wants people who will follow him blindly, not people who have to be imperious. But Orion and Walburga just want the prestige of having a child in the Death Eaters. And I don't think Orion's able to join for some reason. I think he may be too old. So um, that's sort of, they were hoping to, to connect themselves to the Dark Lord and in doing so elevate their position should Voldemort manage to take over. And what's the Sacred 28? Sacred 28 is the 28 original pureblood families. Um, it includes a lot of the Slytherin families like um, the Malfoys, the Goyles, the Crabs, but also the Potters, the Weasleys, and the Longbottoms. So it's a long line of pureblood families, and the purer the line, uh, the better, based on, you know, racist ideologies. Got it. Uh, the Sacred 28 also each have a seat in the Wizen Gamut, which is basically like Wizard Congress. Um, so in British government, I don't think it works this way now. I hope it doesn't work this way now. But originally, the original British aristocracy, so dukes, marquess, uh, earls and viscounts and barons, each had a seat in parliament. And so by being the heir, or by being the, you know, person in charge of that family, not only did you have land and power and a title, you also had a fairly large say in politics of the day. And the Sacred 28 is very similar to that. It very much mirrors the Muggle parliament. Okay. It was actually literally called the House of Lords because it was all the lords of the realm. Thank you, Historical Romance, for teaching me all of that. Yes, and I have a feeling that some of our UK listeners are going to give us a history lesson after this, which is totally fine. I hope so. I love that. I also want to know if the House of Lords is still technically run by lords, if it's still a thing. But, like, I know there's a lot of MPs, which is Member of Parliament, if you didn't know. But I don't know if the House of Lords is still a thing. Yeah, I don't know any of that. The only thing I know is Prince and Grandma. Yeah, so... And her like, little doggies and their little cute butts. The old corgis. Because they got those little butts that could, like, twerk and they all go cute. Yeah, and their butts can look <laughs> like toast. But Yeah. I need to go back there one day. Didn't spend enough time there the first time. Well, yeah, and then like the I one day go that I was supposed to Harrods and Wimbledon. Yes, I never went to Harrods. Me either. 
trying to remember where we went instead because we didn't go to Madame Toussaint. I think we went to Piccadilly Square. I did. Circle. You went to Madame Toussaint. I think I we went, went to, to the. Piccadilly I went Circus. to the. Yeah. But, yeah, and the London Eye was cool. I liked that. Yeah, Good London Eye was fun. I really liked the British Museum. But I liked Edinburgh a lot. I did not like how everything in Scotland tastes like vinegar, but I did like Edinburgh. Also, clotted yeah, cream. Yeah, I liked the uh, the different Fantas that they have there. That was good. Famine. Famine. <laughs> Fanta. I can tell that I recently, yeah, I recently did like this whole Facebook post on the Irish famine. Anyway, um, I first tried Fanta Limon in Spain and I loved it. And I totally forgot about it until we went to London and I realized they had the lemonade there. And it, it's not like a lemon soda. It's not like Sprite. It's literally just like sparkling lemonade. And then Fanta Orange is more like Orangina, where it's just like sparkling orange juice instead of like American orange soda. Oh, it's so good. It's so much less sugary. Yeah, I, I liked it. But yeah, you're right. The clotted cream was really good. And I'm really mad that I didn't get any fish and chips because I wanted fish and chips. I miss Yorkshire pudding. Well, the closest thing we can get to that is Harry Potter World, though. Preach. <laughs> hey, uh, Yorkshire yeah. pudding can't ship, right? Wink, wink. <laughs> I, I did. I did make it once. And it's such a pain in the ass because you have to like heat up the oil in the thing oh, yeah, and then put the batter in and then bake like it again. But I actually made, um, I made like a pot roast going, oh, this is really good. What is it? And I'm like, spotted dick. And he's like, I liked it better when I didn't know what it was called. Yeah. Some of the things that come out of your dad's mouth over the years is just fantastic. Like what? What was that comment he made about J Lo's butt that one time? Like that was great. <laughs> we have a peep O box, guys. Said this weird candy or whatever. Oh, yeah, we're doing Halloween swap candies. If you're interested, go to the Facebook group. There's somewhere where you can like find a buddy to swap candy with. Cats, I think, sending it to Claire in Australia. Although I'm not sure which. Yeah, Claire. I sent it yesterday. Claire Green. Yay! She's the one who does all of our designs, and we love her. Sent it to her yesterday. Seven bags of candy. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, the dead of time. The dead of time. So last we saw Sirius was porpoising him, porpoising, (laughs) porpoising him what? Sirius went to Potter Manor. (laughs) <laughs> the healers had been able to put a stop to Sirius's seizing, but one, uh, but when one caused him to involuntarily flinch while ap- applying a burn paste to his arm, Maya and James both stood defensively, drawing their wands. It was the last straw for the healers, who, after a sizable donation by the gracious Potter family, allowed Maya to tend Sirius on her own. James eventually fell. At- Can you fucking imagine? You're in a hospital treating a 16-year-old boy, and a 16-year-old girl is literally threatening to kick your ass. And at some point, you just go, you know what? Fuck it. You do it. (laughs) James eventually fell asleep in the corner of the room, and she took the time to send a message through the charmed galleon to Remus to let him know what had happened and to insist that he not come. She and James were having a hard enough time keeping their own tempers in check. The last thing they needed was an overprotective werewolf roaming the halls of the hospital. But you know what? It's a perfect place to beat somebody up because then you could just get a room and get your stuff tended to. So, (sighs) Alfred Black stood out in the hallway with her parents, Maya listening to every word. As head of your house, Alfred... You have the ability to do it, Doria whispered. Of course, Doria, if it's not too much trouble. Sirius is no trouble to us, Doria insisted, and Charles chuckled softly. Well, he's nothing but trouble, but he's been our trouble since he was a young boy. After a moment, she added, you're certain Walburga and Orion won't come for him. Alfred sighed. 
Absolutely. When I got to Grimold Place to find out what had happened, he'd already been blasted off the tapestry. Well, Berga has lost her mind. Here Sirius is wand. I found it on the floor next to a rug that was... <sighs> I feel that if I took him in, it would only cause more problems. Cygnus, Orion, and Walberga have all been fighting with me since father put me in charge. Merlin knows why the man did it. He's a smart man. Ooh, what the fuck was that accent? I don't know what just happened there. Sorry, Daria. He's a smart man, Doria insisted. Alfred gave a sad laugh that carried weight and burden despite his youthful age. Sirius will be safe with you when he's not at Hogwarts. Be realistic, Alfred, Doria responded irritably. Death Eaters tried to mark a 16-year-old boy against his will tonight, in his own home, at the behest of his own parents. No one is safe. We are officially at war. That may be true. Forgive me, Doria. It has been a long night for all of us. I will set the guardianship papers in order tonight and send them to the ministry immediately Monday morning. I still think it would be safer were you to officially adopt him, but you're right. He is still the heir to our house, despite the fact that I've already received several urgent owls from Walburga insisting that I give Regulus the title. Maya could only imagine the dark look on Daria's face that would have been interpreted as a threat if he was stupid enough to go against her. Tell Sirius I will be in touch. Please, thank your children for taking good care of him. Your daughter seems to be especially protective. Maybe she'll become a healer, Doria said. Maya, dear, would you be a love and get your mother a cup of tea? Sighing irritably at being caught eavesdropping, Maya nodded, knowing her mother was just tricking her into leaving the room. If I get her tea, she'll figure I'll get some for myself. Well, she decided, despite her dislike of being manipulated, I could use some tea. As she moved through an open corridor on her way to fetch the drinks, Maya caught the familiar smell and turned towards the direction of the scent. Suspicious, she moved forward and growled when she caught sight of Lucius Malfoy stepping out of her room, his trademark sneer on his face and long, pale hair flowing behind him as he stormed away from the open door. She moved to follow him, but stopped to peek inside the room he had vacated. A stricken Narcissa Malfoy sat in a hospital bed, hands over her eyes, weeping into her palms. Maya raised a brow, her feet leading her into the room on their own. Narcissa? The blonde's head shut up, eyes wide. What are you doing here? Are you okay? Maya asked, genuinely concerned for the witch. Obviously not. I'm in a hospital, Narcissa snarled. I saw your husband just leave, Maya said, ignoring Narcissa's sour attitude. She did not have the energy for it, and knowing that Sirius had been, uh, had always taken kindly to his cousin, for some reason, she felt it would be in bad taste to be rude to the woman. Did he hurt you? Not today, dear, Narcissa said with a light tone and a roll of her eyes. Are you following him or something? No, I'm here because Sirius was almost killed tonight, Maya replied. Oh, sorry. <clears throat> no, I'm here because Sirius was almost killed tonight, Maya replied. Her tone, hard and cold. Narcissa gaped, eyes briefly softening. He, they, she inhaled sharply. Is he, I mean to say, he lived? Barely. Maya glanced around the room, catching sight of the files on the bed besides the, uh, on the table besides the bed. Pain relief potion, blood replenishing potion, and calming draft. If you mix rose stones with red clover, it creates, creates fairly helpful fertility potion, though you should wait to be fully healed before you use it. It works best if brewed in the autumn and drunk under a full moon. Narcissa narrowed her eyes. How did you... Maya indicated the files. Your potions. Plus, you look fairly pale, more so than usual. Also, Lucius seems like the type of arsehole who would leave his wife alone at a time like this. Narcissa's bottom lip quivered, betraying her cold facade. 
He's just upset because he wants a child, and I am incapable of holding on to one. He wants an heir, Maya corrected her. You'll give him one, a son. I promise he'll be spoiled rotten. She rolled her eyes as the image of young Draco popped into her head. For the love of Merlin, Narcissa, do not let Lucius control your son the way he controls you. And how exactly is that? Lucius Malfoy asked, reappearing in the door and glaring down at Maya. She inhaled sharply, her eyes widening as she recognized a scent. Blood. Sirius's blood. White hot rage flooded her. Before she had a chance to think about what she was doing, she reached out, swiped at Lucius's face as though she were in her animagus form, claws extended. She smacked him, good and hard, so much harder than she had ever hit Draco or Snape. One of her fingernails cut into his flesh and actually drew blood. She grinned as she remembered that an older Lucius Malfoy carrying around a small scar. It thrilled her to know that she had done permanent, though very mild, damage. Lucius growled, cupping his face. You filthy little. Careful there, Malfoy, Maya snarled. I might be tempted to speak to some R's downstairs. See, they're very interested in finding out what happened to Sirius tonight. She shook with fury, and it only made it worse when he smirked at her. Oh, something happened to the little blood traitor. Maybe I should go downstairs and speak with the Aurors myself, as I was just assaulted. She feigned innocence, blinking wide eyes at him. I doubt they'll arrest me. See, I was under the Imperious curse at the time. I have no memory of what happened. As though they would believe you. You're right. Perhaps the Aurors should investigate. Are you familiar with the Imperious curse, Malfoy? She asked knowingly not blind the way that Narcissa visibly stiffened. Oh, so auras are like magical cops. Bingo. Got it. For some reason, that's not what I thought they were, but that makes sense. Also, do you remember why Maya is giving him shit for the Imperious Curse? Yeah, because they freaking carved crap into her arm. No. Um, earlier in the dead of time, do you remember when Narcissa jumped off the back of the Quidditch uh, bleachers? Yes. She was supposedly under the Imperious Curse, they think, because Lucius put her on it because she was disobeying him. Oh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Also, in the future, when Harry Potter defeats... Lord Voldemort, Lucius is going to claim that he was under the Cruciatus, or Cruciatus, the Imperius the whole time and had no idea what he was doing. Yeah, right. Mm. He's a douche nozzle. Also, sweet Jesus, this was a long chapter. Congratulations, guys. Welcome back to the show. My throat is killing me because I haven't done this for a week and a half. July 30th, 1976. Sirius was brought back to Potter Manor after a week at St. Mungo's, where healers had closely monitored his progress. Eventually, Maya relented and left his side, but only under the condition that a Potter be with him at all times. The family had taken rotating shifts. When he was finally allowed to come home with them, Daria had already converted his original guest room into a full bedroom, complete with Gryffindor banners, a closet full of new robes, and pictures of his friends on the wall. Still recovering, Sirius was forced to stay in bed most of the time by an irate little house elf who now politely called him Young Master Sirius and tucked him into bed each night. Maya fought tooth and nail with Tilly over helping nurse him back to full health. The house elf finally relented, allowing Maya to bring him his meals and to visit so long as Tilly was still allowed to clean his room and cook. Remus and Peter eventually came over to see him, and Maya had to force herself to leave the room to allow the boys time together. Sirius and the boys talked about Quidditch, played Exploding Snap, and planned pranks for the upcoming year, but never once did Sirius open up about what had happened to him. However, he did have nightmares. I'll take care of it, Maya said one evening, when she and James both woke up to the sound of Sirius moaning in his sleep. 
It was the fourth time that week, and she knew Sirius had been refusing to take the dreamless sleep put, or the dreamless sleep draught that St. Mungo sent home with them. James sighed irritably. Force it down his throat if you have to, he said, then turned around, walking back to his room while muttering, Stubborn mutt, he muttered er, under his breath. Uh, she stepped into the room and closed the door behind her. Not wanting to wake her parents or rouse Tilly, she put up a strong silencing charm around the room before she made her way to Sirius's bed, frowning as he tossed and turned, covered in sweat with an angry look on his face. She stepped into the room and closed the door behind her. Not wanting to wake her parents or rouse Tilly, she put up a strong silencing charm around the room before she made her way to Sirius's bed, frowning as he tossed and turned, covered in sweat with an angry look on his face. She approached slowly, moving his wand out of his reach to forestall any accidental hexing if she woke him too quickly. He would hate to hurt her. Sirius, she whispered as she sat down on the edge of his bed, reaching out and gently stroking the side of his face. Sirius, wake up. His breathing quickened at her touch, and he bolted upright, gray eyes wide and dangerous. She was reminded of the man she met in the shrieking shack. He looked broken and wild and threatening. She inhaled sharply at the sight of his crazed stare, cursing herself for how she felt her face flush at the sight. Sirius? He growled, low and quiet, and she thought for a moment that he might still be lost in the nightmare and try to strike out at her. She gasped when he reached out and grabbed her arms, pulling her forward. She barely had a chance to half-mutter his name before he crashed his lips against her in a raging, bruising kiss. Ooh. And scene. Wow. I love cliffhangers. I don't. <laughs> yeah. But... So, what'd you think? I think stuff is about to go down. Mm-hmm. Like, they're gonna start a little war. Little army. Which they've already done, technically, but... Yeah, they've got the assisted defense, but you also have to remember that behind the scenes with the grown-ups, they've established the Order of the Phoenix... Oh, snap. Yeah. So they are about to go into their sixth year, I believe, because they started in 1971, and that was first year. So in 1976, it should be sixth year. So they've got two years of Hogwarts left, um, but they'll be adults and able to practice magic next year. So exciting times. And then it gets hot and steamy, and I will audibly blush. Yay, audible blushing. But yeah, that's oh. season four premiere. It's here. We did it. It only took 12 fucking hours. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> but no, this isn't a terribly long episode, but... No, it's not. But we are excited to be back here with you guys. We are excited to have season four. And please don't forget that this season we are going to have significantly more episodes on Patreon. So next week we are going to have two episodes. We're going to have the actual episode that goes up on our podcast apps. And then we are going to have a special Patreon episode that'll go live either the Saturday or Sunday following that episode. And that will be the sexy, sexy AO3 version. We're only going to read the sexy stuff though, because we do want you to listen to the actual podcast. So you don't miss any like key inside jokes. Um, but if you would like to hear Cat. If you'd like to see Cat Blush, do remember that you can see those videos for just $1 a month on Patreon. We had 17 new patrons in October, which is fucking wild. We're so excited for you guys. And now we'd like to thank our Fox producer level Patreons. We would like to thank Rebecca, 80, Becca, Leanna, Jackie, Carissa, Sandra, Cassie, Amber, Chelsea, Olivia, Ryland, Ryder, Rachel, Heather, Nebby, Jade, Ashley, Melanie, Claire, Hermione, Snape, Chelsea, Emma, Audrey, Amara, Shannon, Roshan, Hannah, 
Jillian, Claire, Miranda, Paige, Martina, Sarah, Dan, Amanda, Caitlin, Samantha, Danielle, Rin, Tyler, Laura, and Kelly. And, you know, we appreciate those of you who, when you do see an adjustment in finances, you like drop down to a lower tier or if some of you drop or jump up to a higher tier. We love you regardless. Thank you so much for contributing to us. You really do keep this going. You're what pays for our editing. Holy shit. I need to pay Hannah Beth. <laughs> it's fine. I've been really spacey and sick this month. So that's why I'm kind of like off my game y'all. But the big, the big whammy is December because three weeks in a row, we are going to have AO3 chapters and Kat and I are going to be exhausted and working our asses off, but we are going to make this happen. It is going to work. I am excited about it. We have really got to start recording more. <laughs> but uh, also remember that we will be doing our Maidenhead episode together in Kat's bedroom. Wow. And uh, we may invite Hannah Beth and Shyalani on mute just so they can laugh and die and see Kat's reactions because I think that would be hilarious. But we will be recording that as a live episode and then uploading that to uh, uploading the video to Patreon so you guys can see that on our YouTube channel because we're on YouTube, but we don't have any videos unless you're a patron. <laughs> so, uh, TBD if we will release uh, previous month's things after a certain period of time. It will no longer become patron. We're, we're still working on that. We're trying to iron out those details. I think it'll be up to the patrons. But we are excited to bring season four to you guys. This is a good season. This is lots of fun things. Also, uh, the season ender for season four is going to knock a lot of you on your ass and I'm not sorry for it. And I'm not going to tell you what it is because it's evil and I love it. But welcome back to season four. Woo! The drought is over. <laughs> yeah. We can't call it Droughtlander, which makes me sad, but I know the fire whiskey drought is over. Prohibition is yes. done. Fire whiskey is back. Yes. Cool. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So, I guess we'll see you guys next Fire Whiskey Friday. That's how the episode ends. I was like, what do we do at this point? Yes, that is how it <laughs> ends. Thank you, Kat. It's fine. It's fine. It's been a hot minute, guys. Love you. Mean it. Thank you for listening to another episode of Fire, Whiskey, and Honey. A special thank you to Shyalani for allowing us to read your story. And thank you to Blue Ivy Creations for creating our logo and Hannah Beth for editing our episodes. You can find us on Instagram at FWHpod. And on Twitter at FWHpodcast. And on our website, FWHpod.com. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to support and get extra content, please support us on Patreon and review us on Apple Podcasts. Thank you to those who support us already. We wouldn't be here without you. See you next Fire Whiskey Friday.